Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Some news coming down the pipeline surrounding Ben Simmons. We'll jump into that. But before we do, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. We always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. And also don't forget to check us out at libertyballers.com for everything related to the Sixers. One of the people behind the magic at our site, lead producer for Liberty Ballers, Mr. Paul Hedrick. Paul, how are things going over there? And were you shocked to wake up and see some more news surrounding Ben Simmons? Uh, uh, you know what? To quote one of my favorite Christmas movies, I wouldn't be more shocked if my head was sewn to the carpet um, because <laughs> that's just the way it has gone. The Ben Simmons season is just yeah, it's every day. It's something new. Um, you just can't catch a break from it. I, I mean, I guess we shouldn't complain, Jazz, because it gives us plenty to talk about and plenty to write about on Liberty Ballers. But at the same time, man, like, phew, I will be happy when the deadline is over and this is resolved one way or the other. Yeah, it, it's been it's been a long 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 drawn out process and and you know again we you can always refer, refer back to this that daryl Morey has said i'm willing to wait four years you know what i mean and so he's been patient maybe it feels like it's thought, been four years it does it feels like it's been 40 <laughs> years i feel like i've aged already right and that's not a good thing for somebody who looks like me so i think it's uh i, I think it's something paul that we're looking at this we know that if nothing is done on february 10th which is the deadline next thursday that once we get to February 11th, we're moving on from this. And we're going to start looking at the Sixers who are playing well. We'll touch on them a little bit as well, coming off that thrilling win over, over the Grizzlies on, on Monday night. Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris look great. But uh, jumping into this piece that we saw, and if you haven't seen it, you can check it out on ESPN.com. Ramona Shelburne uh, talked to a few people who are close to Ben, talked to some people who are close to the team, didn't reveal any sources, no surprise there. But uh, what did you make of this, Paul? Basically saying that we're stuck in the situation where Ben's still hanging around the team facility, He's still kind of in the area, doesn't have any plans to rejoin the team. Um, you know, he's lost, what, $19 million in salary, roughly, just by holding out so far. So what, what did you make out of out of Ramona's piece, like, when, when you saw this? I'm upset if I lose $19 uh, <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. A couple of cheesesteaks for us, man. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, case of beer. I mean, geez. Uh, no, but what's... And it's a, I want to start off by saying it's a great piece by Mar uh, Ramona. She got some really good intel, some really good insight, obviously, and shared a lot of really interesting details. But I have to say, the more Ben Simmons camp tries to paint him as a sympathetic figure, the less he comes across as a sympathetic figure. Mm -hmm. um, I just the details that are in there. And it's like it just it felt like every quote that was like it, it felt like please feel sorry for Ben. And I read the quote and I'm like, I don't, I don't feel sorry. Like, like I'll say like, of course, like anyone dealing with a mental health issue, of course I empathize with that. It's something, uh, you know, myself, people close to me have dealt with. So I, I certainly empathize with that, but some of these things just look so bad. Um, like he's not mentally ready to play for the Sixers, but if he gets traded, he'll be ready in two weeks to play for somebody else. Yeah, see, Paul, um, and I think that's where that was one of the, I wanted to bring that up with you. So I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned it. That is the weird part to me, right? That that is the part that right. is throwing me off. Is that okay? You're saying you have mental health issues, and I'm not going to be in the space or going to talk bad about someone who's going through whatever they're going through in their own mind. But like you said, like so, okay, you're not mentally prepared to play. That's the that's the angle that he said that I'm mentally not ready, and and I don't want to rejoin the team. But yeah, if you got traded to Sacramento, you got traded to. Portland, you'd be ready to play the next week. You know what I mean? That's where I, I kind of, I kind of saw that as weird as well. Right. And as Ramona pointed out in the piece, um, you know, 
the Sixers, as as an organization, as a business, have the right to know if there's any kind of diagnosis or, or you know any kind of treatment that that is preventing him from working. Like Jazz, if you or I ha- had a mental health issue, that is something we, you know. Not to get too deep in the weeds with it, but you know, your employer would want to know. Like your employer, like you would have to provide something to your mm-hmm. employer to let them know. And then I'm curious if he does get traded, like, is he going to disclose this information to his new team? Because if you're and again, I, I don't want to I don't want to, you know, downplay a, a mental health situation. But that's something you would think a, a team that's going to trade a lot of capital for Ben Simmons and that's going to pay him a lot of money. Like that's information they're going to want to know. Um, so it's just it's such a gray area, such a tricky thing. And I, I only say that to point out how weird, not weird, but I don't know, like how much gray area there is for the Sixers and how kind of uncomfortable the situation is for them. Um, and like, it's just so like the, 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 the idea of him showing up to the facility and like, like just doing, doing enough to avoid the maximum amount of fines. But like you said, he's still missing out on $19 million. And then honestly, just built my biggest thing. The biggest thing that really bothered me about the piece is that he took through sources another shot, an unnecessary shot at Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, like what to, to rehash the 2019, first of all, it, 2019 playoffs that, that talk about something that feels like it happened 40 years ago, like forever ago. I was there in Toronto. I saw Kawhi Leonard hit the shot. It happened forever ago. Um, that like, like seriously, a lifetime ago, Jimmy Butler was still here. Like that, that's like, this happened so long ago. So to bring it up from that perspective, that's weird. Second of all, it's incorrect um, to say that Joel Embiid was bad. Uh, sure, Joel Embiid did not have his typical offensive production in that series. But if you look at the, the numbers, I think Joel Embiid was a plus 89 in the entirety of that series. And when he was off the floor, they were like a minus 90. Um, and game seven alone, he was, I think, a plus 12. Greg Monroe played less than two minutes and was a minus nine in a game that they lost at the buzzer. So to somehow equate Ben Simmons passing up that shot in game seven to the series that Joel Embiid had against Toronto, like it's nonsensical. And then even just beyond that, why bring that up? Well, like, what are we doing here? Like, like, why are you dragging Joel Embiid into this? Like Joel. And, and here's the other, and the other thing I would add to that too, is someone pointed out to me online, Joel Embiid got a lot of crap for that. That series. Everyone was talking about, he's not in good enough shape. Um, you know, he cried after they lost. Like everyone was 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 pouring on Embiid after that series was over. They really were. But what did Embiid do? He took his lumps. He got in better shape, and now he's might be the best player on the planet. So, like, that's how I look at it too. Is you can say all the stuff you want about Joel Embiid in 2019. It's 2022 when Joel Embiid looks like the best player in the world. So, uh, that of, of all the things that came across in the article. You know, whatever, like I'm kind of a whatever with it. But that one to me was the one thing that stuck out where I'm like, man, this just looks really childish on Ben Simmons part. And I just think it's so out of line. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm with you on that. When I saw that part, I think a lot of people on, on social media were highlighting that, too. It's like, dude, yeah, this happened, you know, three years ago. Uh, everybody has moved on. And like you mentioned, instead of Joel sitting there feeling sorry for himself or feeling that, hey, I got you know, being persecuted for how I played. It's like, no, he just came out and got better. And now we see the level that he's at. And we see that he's playing at this MVP MVP type rate where 
he's the central focus of not just the Sixers, but slowly becoming that in the NBA. And it's like, you know, we, we saw that there was a lot of love for Jokic and, you know, Kevin Durant deservedly. So like, Oh, these guys were the MVP candidates as we got through December. And now we got through January, everybody saw the amazing month that Embiid had. And now he's kind of become the central part of that. And it's like, even with Ben, it's like, if you don't want to play, that's fine. And I think everybody's past the fact that he's not going to rejoin the team. He's not going to, you know, randomly just be like, okay, you know, let's just figure it out. And I'll, I'll, you know, my held out for a couple of months and made my point. I still want to get traded, but I want to, you know, I'm willing to come back and play for the rest of the season. I think we're at the position now where you're right. Why take that shot? Right, Paul? Like why, why are you, what are you trying to prove by saying that he didn't play well three years ago? Ultimately? Yeah. You pass up an open dunk. You were terrible from the free throw line. You had an awful series for a number one overall pick. You are going to face some pressure for that. And if you're not able to, to at least take that on and look at, this is a part of everyday life. Like Paul, if you're not delivering on your job, you're going to hear it from our, from our bosses, right? If I'm not, we're going to hear it. And that's a part of the gig. I think for anyone who goes to work, never mind a multimillionaire NBA player. So looking at this from, from Ben's perspective, and you're reading this and some of the hosts are or host part of me sources are saying, we don't, um, care about the money on, on Ben's side. It's like, well, okay, sure you don't, but you're also wasting a year of, of time here. And ultimately when, when you're looking at this big picture wise, Paul, like if he still is on the roster after February the 11th, do you think he's ultimately just going to be like, screw it. I'm going home. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm, I mean, not gonna, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't even want to hang around the team facility. There's no point. Nothing's going to happen here. Keep my money at this point And I'm gone. That would be my guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see any other path um, if they wind up do if they want to keep him past the deadline. And it is to me, just like it, of all the things I feel and like disappointment is still the biggest one because on so many I'm disappointed that Ben Ben Simmons. I have defended him so much over the years. I still think he has the potential to be a great great basketball player and has looked like a great basketball player at moments, still one of the best and most versatile defenders in the entire NBA. I still contend that I think he should have won defensive player of the year last year, but to see him now at 25 years old, just throwing away an entire year of his prime for what, like for what, like uh, granted, like, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe there's more to it, but it, it sure doesn't sound like there's more to it. It sounds like doc rivers and Joel and B criticized him publicly and he didn't like it, and that's it. Like, it doesn't sound like there's anything else more to it than that. So my thing is just, like, why don't you just talk to these people? You know, like, if it's bothering you this bad, I you, we all know for a fact Joel Embiid reached out to him multiple times. We know Doc Rivers reached out to him multiple times. Other teammates, Danny Green, other guys reached out to Ben Simmons to try to mend the fences, to try to make it right, and he refused. Um, and then the other disappointment factor is that, is that, if he were playing right now with this version of Tyrese Maxey, by the way, who's been fantastic. If, if you were to just simply put Ben Simmons in the starting lineup instead of, say, Matisse Thybul, I think it's a title contender right now, like easily. Um, and it's just so sad that that Ben Simmons, as such a talented young player, isn't playing right now and that the Sixers aren't getting and Sixers fans aren't getting to see him play and aren't. The Sixers don't have the best opportunity and chance to win a title right now with him not playing. So it's just I, I'm going to keep saying the word disappointed because that's that's how I felt from the beginning. And that's that's still the biggest emotion I feel. I, I'm with you. I, I think in, in the bigger scheme of things, this whole situation is kind of sad in the in the not in the you know traditional like, oh, my God, I'm going to go cry sad. It's sad in the sense that like 
you know, what look at all these parts that are being affected by this. Uh, Paul, I want to jump into some other things, kind of big picture stuff with the Sixers. We'll touch on the Simmons stuff as well. We'll do that after a short break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. Uh, Paul, we were discussing there like the Simmons stuff and how you you said it, it's disappointing how this is all played out. Looking at this from the other angle, right? Let's look at this from, from Ben Simmons side. And sure, you're upset that you didn't feel like your coach supported you. You didn't feel like Joel Embiid had your back following the game seven loss to Atlanta. But looking at this from Maury's perspective, and, and Ramona writes about this and she kind of quoted uh, Maury's interview from uh, last week in, the, in on local radio there in Philly, but looking at this now, like, do you think he could have done anything different to smooth this out? Like if we're looking at this from how maybe Ben is going to read that and his camp is going to look at this, do you think Maury could have done anything different to make this kind of not be as big of a distraction as it has been? I don't think there's anything he could have done after the season. I think where it started, and I think Maury kind of alluded to this is when Maury first got here, he and Embiid really connected. They really clicked. Um, and I think that was pretty, that's obvious. It's evident to this day that they really clicked. And it doesn't seem like him, that Maury and, and Ben Simmons did as well. And I think Ramona touched on that as well in the piece. I think that's a pretty big factor. And, you know, when there's all these stories flying out, flying around that one of the reasons, you know, Maury's brought in here is to try to get James Harden. And then there's tons of trade rumors that don't that don't make Ben Simmons feel any bit like he's not going to get traded for James Harden to the point where he apparently was looking at, at houses in Houston. Um, you know, I'd say from that perspective, maybe Maury could have done better to build a any type of relationship with Ben Simmons or at least, you know, a better one. But at the same time, it, it's it, part of the nature of the NBA is that trade rumors happen. Um, it, it's just part of the deal. It's part of what goes into why these guys make so much money and that's that's just it's just a part of it um Joel Embiid has been thrown around in trade rumors throughout his career look at Tobias Harris I mean Tobias Harris geez th this poor like think about all the Tobias Harris has been yeah. through this year <laughs> and to see the way he's turned it around how well he's played recently like you have to be able like to play in the NBA to do that like you have to have that it's, it's not easy Jazz. It's not like I, mm -hmm. I'm not, no one's sitting here saying that that's easy. It's I'm sure from a human element that is incredibly difficult to to think for sure that you are going to get traded to the Houston Rockets to the point where you're looking at houses in Houston and then to find out you're not being traded there. 
from a human standpoint, I'm sure that was not easy for Ben Simmons. But again, there's a reason why these guys make a lot of money, and that's part of the job. The job is hard. It is a hard job. Like it's kind of like you know, again, equating it to like a normal person. People get asked to transfer or, or do different things or be in different roles or be in different departments all the time. And a lot of times they don't have a choice in the matter, right? Like they have to do it if they want to keep their job or if they want to get promoted or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult, excuse me, it's a difficult thing. I don't want to downplay the human element of it. And I think that's maybe what Maury's issue was, is that perhaps he didn't focus enough on the human element when he first got here, but at the same time, it's the gig, right? It, it's the job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what comes with it. Like you mentioned, like sports, especially in this day and age where social media is running prevalent, we have people like the NBA analysis network just coming out with these random things and you just have to deal with it. And, and, you know, looking at again, now looking at, at the bigger picture stuff, Paul, where, okay, doesn't look like Ben's walking through that door anytime soon. Also doesn't look like he's going to be traded to anywhere before February the 10th or, you know, before the deadline. And so it's looking like this is going to be the squad that they roll with, maybe minus some tweaks that Daryl Morey might make on deadline day to maybe get some more athleticism, get another three and D wing type guy who, who can come fill in and, and help alleviate the loss of, of Ben on the defensive end. But you're looking at this squad 16 and 16 at Christmas, 15 and three since then, clearly the best record in the NBA over that stretch uh, right up there with Phoenix only a half a game out of the top spot in the Eastern conference as of the, as of the time we're recording this, which is on Tuesday afternoon, a half a game behind Miami and Chicago. You got to think the Sixers should be able to pad their lead on top of Brooklyn for the division title. Um, just in terms of the fact that Kevin Durant is out and they're dealing with their own things with Kyrie, obviously. So you're looking at this and what this squad has done beating a very good Grizzly squad in overtime without Joel Embiid was, was very, very impressive. But looking at this now, Paul, what do you think Daryl Morey can do? to maybe add a piece and what type of player do you think you should be looking for in order to, again, doesn't look like it's going to be a Ben deal where you're going to get this other maybe star level guy back, or there's a ton of picks and three teams involved, maybe just some little tweaks you can make around the roster that can help this squad try and make as much noise in the playoffs as it can. Yeah. I mean, they, they have other assets. Uh, when you look at draft picks, they're 2025 one. They have a very highly protected one that's going to Oklahoma city in the Al Horford deal. Uh, because of that Stepien rule, which which you know basically means you can't trade first round picks in consecutive years, that basically means they can't move a pick in 24, 25, or 26. But they can move this year's first, the 2023 pick, and they can move 2027. So they have multiple first round picks they can use. Um, they have second round picks. And they have, uh, I know people have really grown attached to some of their young players, but they have young players that could be attracted to other teams. Uh, a, a guy like a Paul Reed who doesn't have a, a rotational spot, but you can see that he has an NBA future. He's a pretty decent young player. Maybe you can flip him um, as part of a deal to get a, a, to get a guy or an Isaiah Joe, who again I happen to like an awful lot and think he could be a valuable player down the road. Um, you know, Jaden Springer, who's still only I think 18, 18 years old still at this point, um, that's you know playing pretty well for the Blue Coats. Charles Bassey. I mean, there's there are guys who are pretty good um, that are young players that maybe the Sixers just don't have the minutes for right now that a team that's not as good might have those minutes and they could develop that guy into a bigger role, into a better player. Um, I, I think you already touched on it. Really a three and D wing would be, would be great. Uh, one guy I really like, although I've, I've heard that the price tag seems pretty high for this type of player is, is Kendrick Williams from uh, Oklahoma city. He can guard four positions and he's shooting the hell out of the three ball. And he's not, he's not a stiff on offense either. Like he's got a little bit of game offensively. So He's a guy that, you know, you insert him perhaps into the starting lineup um, and then you're you're bringing Matisse Thibel off the bench. That's 
it's a pretty it, it adds another dynamic and I, I also think I look at it when you go up against teams I, I'm st- I still contend that I think the Sixers are a second round team I, I think they, they can win a first round series not sure about the second one if you have to go up against Brooklyn or Milwaukee and you have to guard multiple perimeter threats you need as many perimeter defenders as you can get so let's say you play the Nets and, and they have their full complement you have to guard KD you have to guard Kyrie and you have to guard Harden Danny Green could could feasibly guard Harden because Harden's not like the most explosive player in the world, and I think that's a decent matchup. Mm-hmm. Matisse could get could would have to you know handle Kyrie, and then you could have someone like Kendrick Williams who's got pretty good size and length to guard KD. So I just think, or even Milwaukee with their three of Holiday, uh, Middleton, and, and Giannis, like to have extra perimeter defenders, I think would be really useful. The other thing I would say is, man, they could really use some ball handling, like like one steady backup point guard like I don't have a name for you but like like anybody anybody that can just dribble a basketball well and not turn it over um they, they desperately need that like when, when you're seeing Furkan Korkmaz God bless him try to play point guard it's it's a disaster it, it doesn't work out very well Seth Curry can do it in in small doses but you can't rely on him to do it you know through stretches like right now Tyrese Maxey currently is the only thing they have close to a point guard Shake Milton whenever he comes back in a selfie he's can kind of play point guard but I, I, so the, to me, like the two biggest things, yeah, three and D wing would be great, and then some type of veteran ball handler, I think, would be uh, a pretty good get as well. Yeah, that like you mentioned, the, the backup point guard minutes are always an adventure. Right? I mean, we've seen for the beginning of the season, he was great, then he was terrible, and now he's just been inconsistent. And you know, looking at that from your, I agree with your perspective on that, Paul. That right now, as as the Sixers are, and again, notwithstanding that they make a big deal, you're looking at this team being a second round exit. And again, I think Embiid can take him to a seven game alone against a team like Milwaukee or Brooklyn, but doing that, you know, having to win that and then win again in a, in a conference final series against one of those teams, presuming that they get there going to be a tall task. Just given the fact that Tyrese Maxey, like you mentioned, has been playing at a very high level. He continues to show that he is going to be the point guard of the future, right? You know what I mean at this point? Um, So looking at how this squad can build, and you mentioned Tobias Harris, his shooting numbers went up for the month of January, connected on 43% of his three-point uh, field goal attempts, almost 52% shooting overall from the field. So he's starting just to just looks so much too. better too. Like when, yeah. you, when you just when you just watch him, like it doesn't even look like the same guy who was playing in December. Like he looks so 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 much better right now. And I, yeah, that, that's been huge for them recently. Yeah, and I think that that this is what the Sixers are going to be. But I I do I think you know I agree with you in one sense that is that in the bigger picture of things. It's just sad that you're having Joel Embiid playing at this level. Obviously, you were coming into the year, maybe not, you know, at the conclusion of last season, I would say you were still looking at it like, well, Ben's going to be on the team and we're going to have our, our, you know, kind of our top two guys and we're going to make a run at this. But, you know, given the fact that if Maury doesn't find the right deal to his liking to add a significant piece before February 10th, as much as people say it isn't, you know, I've heard that argument that it isn't to me, it is going to be a wasted season of a guy uh, who's an MVP level candidate in, in Joel Embiid. Yeah, I mean, it's just so tricky because and I get it and and I I understand everyone's frustration with that and the fact that you don't want to waste any season of Joel Embiid's prime. But I I think you and I talked about it before and I would contend that I think he's just now entering his prime. And I think this season is showing that he is getting better uh, from, you know, he was runner up in MVP voting last year. This year, he looks even better and he, he might win the damn thing. So. Um, from that perspective, I, I understand fans' frustration, and I, and I get it. You, you, clearly, if there is a move to be made that K- 
can, you know, that makes sense for Ben Simmons, that gives Joel Embiid a chance to win a title, Maury's going to make it. But I, what I think he has to weigh, too, is, you know, uh, at the beginning of the year, people were talking about, ah, oh, you know, trade for C.J. McCollum. You trade for C.J. McCollum, with all due respect to Tobias Harris and C.J. McCollum, you now have two players on max deals that are not max players for the next two seasons following this one. So, and as we just stated, they're probably a second-round team as is. If you add CJ McCollum, does that make you any better? I don't think so. No, I don't think that makes you. Team. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that makes you better than the, the Milwaukee or Brooklyn or maybe even Miami. So, to me, that's what Darren Morey has to weigh. Like right now, you're a second round team. If I make a Ben Simmons trade, I better be able to get. I better be feel pretty good that it's going to be a move that's going to get me into the Eastern Conference Finals and beyond because. If it's a move that's just going to get me in the second round and then I'm stuck with that player or those pieces going forward, that, then you're wasting multiple years of Joel Embiid's prime. So it's it's delicate. It's strict. It's not like that's the thing, too, Jazz. And uh, one of my colleagues uh, pointed it out. It's like this is so unprecedented that like how can anyone say definitively the Sixers need to do this or Darren Murray should have done this. Never in the history of the NBA have we seen a player in his prime willing to sit out an entire season to not play for a winning team. This is not normal. It just yeah. doesn't happen. So to to suggest that there's a playbook for this or that Maury should be able to, oh, like Maury's great. He's supposed to be a great executive. He should be handling this easily. No, like that's, it's preposterous because it's never occurred before and it might never occur again. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a really tricky, delicate situation. Now I'll say this. It's a gamble if Daryl Morey holds Ben Simmons beyond the trade deadline. And I think that if he does that, and in the offseason, he does not get that star player, James Harden, Bradley Beal, you know, Jalen Brown, Dame, whatever, name the guy. If he doesn't get that player, that to me is when Daryl Morey, then it's open season on criticism for him at that point, I would say. I'm with you. I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that because it's like if you now you've, you've held out hope and you've said, you know, he was on that radio station and he said, hey, you know, we want to get a guy who's not going to help us just win a title this year, but be paired with Joel for years to come and, and hopefully keeps us in the upper echelon of the NBA. But like you said, if you swing and you miss and you've been holding out hope for a Damian Lillard, a Bradley Beal, um, you know, James Harden, you don't get these guys and you're settling for a package next year, then this ultimately does become a wasted season. You know what I mean? Because if there was a deal yeah. he could have made, uh, whether that and again, I don't know how far along the talks have gotten. We've heard conflicting reports, but from some reliable sources, what we've heard is that the Sacramento Kings weren't willing to include Tyrese Halliburton. De'Aaron Fox, I don't like as a fit either with that roster, but I mean, Tyrese Halliburton and some, you know, picks or whatever, like that, they weren't willing to do that. But again, if that was an offer on the table and you could get a guy like Halliburton and maybe a, a first round pick or two down the line, and that's the same type of deal you're going to get in the off season, you should have made it now. Right. And so I right. think this no, is where 100%. it's going to, this is where it's going to be a tricky situation for, for Maury to navigate, but um, you know, I don't think we're anywhere near the end of this Ben Simmons saga. I, I you know, what? what would make everything easier, Jazz, if Bradley Beal would just request out of DC because yeah. that team's terrible, they're not going anywhere. Like, just demand a trade, get traded to Philly, and then you could sign your supermax in the offseat. Like, just do it, man. Like, yeah, get it done. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Bradley Beal? Come on, man. You know what I mean? No, I, you know, it's like, funny, uh, that, that's it. really that's what's really going up the works. You know what I mean? Let's put some pressure on Bradley Beal to request it. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, you uh, know, but, yeah. you know, it's for real. You look at this team. I mean, the 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 Wizards started off what ten and three, I think they were to start off, right? Like they're thirteen. Got and to a great start. Yeah. Since then, yeah, and it's like okay, you're not winning anything there. 
you do really want to, you know, hit your wagon to, to a losing horse at that point and say, well, I'm going to stick with the wizards and see what happens over the next, you know, two or three years. No, I mean, it's time yeah, to get they're a title there. team. The Sixers yeah. are, if you get Bradley Beal in here for Ben Simmons, the six that uh, you put Bradley Beal with, with Joel Embiid, that to me, that's they're the East favorite at that point. And I don't oh, think yeah. that's crazy to say, yeah. I, I given the Nets issues and given, you know, I, I think that they would be the favorites in the East. I'm with you. I, I think if you get Bradley Beal, who is top-notch scorer, obviously something the Sixers have lacked since Butler was uh, was gone, is is a perimeter guy who can consistently produce and somebody who can have the ball in his hands if Joel isn't going, or you want to try and get some penetration from the top or a nice bucket from a from a from a guard like type player. Where again, I think Tyrese Maxey's developing into that, not necessarily one of the best in the in the NBA at this point, but a guy like. Uh, Bradley Beal is, and, I, and I'm with you. I think if you, if you put him on the Sixers, and given the way that they're playing right now, without a quote-unquote second star next to Embiid, that puts them right at the top of the heat. Yeah, no, and and that's and that's what this is all about. It's about finding that perimeter player that just is that one-two punch. Like because, like you said, Maxi Maxi might be that guy because I think he's a special player, and I think he showed that against the Grizzlies. Like he has the potential to be a really, really special player but he is 21 years old and it's that's a big ass to to have him do that on a championship team on a consistent basis that's a lot to ask of him um and so like you can't speed up his timeline so that that that's where the issue comes with maxi but if you get like a beal in here you keep maxi and you develop this thing and it it has a chance to be special um and, and because that's for Joel, I mean, he just—that's all he needs. He just needs one perimeter creator, like he had, with, like you said, with Jimmy Butler. Like if he just has that again, um, with this version of Joel Embiid that looks like the best player in the world, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would put them up against anybody. Yeah, of course, Paul. We're going to be talking about this for the next ten days, and then what's going to happen? Nothing, right? That's just that's Probably. just the way. That's the way it's gonna it's gonna go. But uh, we'll wrap things up here, Paul. Uh, you got some stuff coming up on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. Let the people know who you, who you have on and what to look for, look out for uh, on the Liberty Ballers podcast feed. Yeah. So uh, on uh, Thursday coming in for landing, we're going to have Amy Fadulon, who everyone knows from NBC Sports Philadelphia. She hosts pre and post game live. She is also a Kentucky grad. And uh, so she's got some good intel on Tyrese Maxey. Um, but Amy's awesome. She's one of the nicest, coolest people in the biz, um, a friend of mine. So I'm very excited to have her on. Then I'm uh, angling to have a pretty special guest on before the deadline uh, and then one maybe after the deadline. So we'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep those to myself for now, but um, should be really good and should be really fun. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. And I'll have Jackson Frank with me doing a postgame show after the Sixers take on the Wizards on Wednesday. And of course, we'll have you covered for all things trade deadline, uh, planning out some stuff. We'll be doing some live streams, some Twitter spaces. We'll keep you updated on social media about how those are going to go. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap things up there. Like I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. we got shows coming at you uh, five or six days a week, depending on the Sixer schedule. And of course, we're going to have you covered for all things Philly as we get into the February 10th trade deadline. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a Ben Simmons deal. I'm not holding out hope, but I think a lot of the basketball world and Philly media are hoping that maybe, maybe they do find Please. a deal. So we never have to talk about this dude again until he returns back to Wells Fargo. That'll do it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all next time.